0: Hello, and welcome to the Just for Kicks podcast on Game Time CT. I'm Scott Erickson, the boys soccer writer, and we are joined, as always, by Joe Morelli, the girls soccer writer. Joe, good morning, good afternoon, whatever. Yeah, I think it's afternoon now, and I see you're inside. I
1: mean, obviously, the listeners can't see us, but usually you're parked outside at 80 degrees. A little bit
0: in first bad weather day we've had this year. Yeah, I, I got caught in a little rain shower during one of the podcasts or meetings or something. Getting cold out, so I I moved it indoors for today. I moved location, back inside. Yeah, well, I don't so like. It. I, I prefer it outside.
1: It's a light schedule today, but I mean, we're hey, we're we in week three of our podcast, as we talked about, just hoping, and um, obviously there's COVID cases around us, teams and stuff, as we've written about. But so far, so good, and we have postseason stuff to talk about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen too many soccer games. Uh, you know, affected. Obviously, there was a the situation with. The West Hill boys' team, which is shut down for 14 days now, um, they had a positive case uh, on the team, and they had to move their game against Greenwich. Greenwich had to go play New Canaan. Uh, A few other schedules had to get shifted around. But, yeah, West Hill now in an already super tight season is missing 14 days. So I don't know how they're going to make games up. Uh, I'm not sure what the exact plan is uh, with them. But I'm surprised they're the only one so far that, that this has popped up with. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Like I said, if, if,
1: if it's 14 days, that's two weeks. I mean, you're basically your season's almost done. I don't know how you can make it up. This is not like Major League Baseball where you can play doubleheaders. And so it's, I think it's going to be a very difficult for anybody who
0: gets it from here on in boys and girls to make up the season. But, I mean, and and the parents, 14 days without conditioning and without running. I mean, I assume the kids are working out in some capacity if they're not quarantined. But that's, that's rough in the middle of a soccer season to, to just stop playing. I think that's what we're going to be facing for
1: any sport. I mean, every sport. Yeah, every sport. Yeah, but yeah, especially soccer. I mean, it's. I mean, the
0: season is supposed to end November fifth, November seventh. Right. Yeah, and, the and then we're supposed to get start. to a, whatever the postseason is. I mean, you wrote something about the postseason. What What are the postseason going to look like, as far as you can tell? Well, as far as I can tell, I mean, I only taught to a
1: few different, a few commissioners, the ones in our coverage area, the FCAC, the SEC, and the SWC, and you can find that story on gamesct.com. Um FCAC and the SEC has three divisions each. So they're gonna stay within their regions. As most all these schools, I'm sure all these plans are gonna be the same. They're all gonna stay in their region. So basically you're playing the same teams again. Whatever your record is, you can be in the postseason. So you could be winless and you right. can play up to three two or three games, depending on what the league wants to do, if the team wants to continue. So these, uh, we talked about the uh, the tech schools. I mean, those are the SWC. If they go winless, they can play in the tournament. If you lose your quarterfinal game, first-round game, you can, they'll set you up with other games just so you can have an experience. That's right. what the CAC had hoped for at the start of this, back in July when they laid out the plan, and that's what they're going to continue. Because obviously, as we discussed on this podcast, there is no traditional state tournament. The only thing with the SWC, which I found interesting, is – if you win three games in your region, the North and the South will play off for a championship game. That's in cool. In mid to late November, near the tail end of the uh, the experience, which is supposed to be between the November 7th to the 21st. So near the tail end, that's the one league so far. Now, I don't know how many other leagues will do that. The uh, CCC, I don't know. But at least right now, they have something to play for. Again – it's oh, the same finally. teams you've seen all year, but it's better than nothing.
0: Yeah, and, and no state tournament, right? I mean nothing no. on the state level. No, they can't they can't do it. I mean,
1: they, they just they just can't. They were never gonna do it. And as we've just talked about with West Hill, I mean, you don't even know how far you're gonna get. So uh and you don't want to put people on buses and go on long trips and I mean, you know, obviously we we everybody knows there's been a little bit of uptick in cases in hospitalizations in the state. obviously it doesn't affect kids as much as adults but it's something you have to keep an eye on and putting kids on buses and going to different parts of the state i think uh doesn't serve the purpose of what we want to see right now
0: yeah and you know while we've talked about how that stinks for school like hand who's going for you know multiple championships in a row and other schools like that there's also you know i just i've been a story that's coming out today on holy cross they made it to the S final last year, lost in overtime to Old Saybrook. Right. Um, we're bringing back two All-State kids, an all MVL kid, uh, got a couple transfers from Chase Collegiate, uh, and they were looking really, really solid, still in Class S, looking really solid in the MVL. And all those kids were talking about was like, all right, we lost in the final last year. We, our goal was to get back to the Class S championship. And for those seniors, it's just not going to happen. Um, you hope they get some kind of NBL tournament or NBL championship experience. But, man, I mean, if, if, like you're, if, if you lose in a final like that by a goal or whatever it was, 3-1, three, three, I think, in, in double overtime, mm-hmm. um, that it must just eat away at you that you can't get back and, and try to get like, – because the kids are like, we're going on a revenge tour. But it's like, I don't know, because you're not going to get to play those teams. You're not going to get to go into Class S and, and make a run to the tournament again. And, you know, we saw that with Hall last year. Where Hall lost to Glastonbury the year before. And their main focus last year was to get back to a final. They bit, They won the championship. And it's just incredible story, you know, for Segoro and, and uh, for Zeke Seguro and, and uh, all the kids up there. And Holy Cross, I think, could have done something like that this year, and, and it stinks. Um, they did beat Naugatuck for the first time in a long, long time. Uh, they haven't won the MVL since 2003. So maybe they can have some kind of postseason experience Um you know, they, they were kind of weird the way they set up their pods because they actually made the pods a little more competitive as, a, as opposed to just regional. Because Holy Cross doesn't play any of the other Waterbury schools. And they're obviously in Waterbury, but they're playing Naugatuck, they're playing Watertown. And I think they did that just to make them more competitively balanced as opposed to simply by geography. Well, a couple things
1: because we have a, you're gonna, our guest today is Mark Landers of Glastonbury Water Street game. Um, but I think the CCC, this is just me guessing, the NBL, three divisions, I think you're going to see them be able to play in their own division or their own region or whatever you want to call it, and I think right. that's going to be it. Maybe they'll have some kind of championship after, Who knows? Uh, remains to be seen, but, well, here's the thing. This is a, a topic for another time. We well, talked about them losing in overtime. I kind of wonder now how we hate, and our producer, Pete Pagwaka hates this, co-champions in this in, in the CIA. We hate it, right? I think right. they'd take that now. They would love to have gotten a piece of that child, obviously over over time. But they were taking it then. But now it. It, it may not feel as howl now. I wonder because of what we're going through, and there's no state tournament. I mean, again, that's another topic for another time, as I said. But I, I kind of wonder now how that feeling is going to be for anybody
0: who was co-champions last year. I mean, I, I, I mean, I've told you my stance before on co-champions. I think that I in the moment it's a little bittersweet, but. At the end of the day, you got that banner up on your wall yes. that says you're the state champions, you got your ring or whatever you get, and you are state champions. And those Holy Cross kids could point at that and be like, yeah, we won the state championship last year. Like, we tied for it, but we were there, we made the run, and we got a part of the title. Um, now it's just like, what if? You know, and they have, I think, 12 seniors in the team this year, uh, so those kids are all going to leave and, and not not get to try to fulfill that um, It's tough for them, but they're not alone, obviously. There's a lot, a lot of teams that felt like they had state championship aspirations and are not going to get to do it. You know, there's there's so many.
1: Well, we're going to take a break from our Just for Kicks podcast. Number three of the season, as we're still kicking along here, Scott and I, and we're going to have Glastonbury boys soccer coach Mark Landers on the podcast when we come back.
0: We are joined by Glastonbury boys soccer coach Mark Landers. Mark just won his 300th game coaching. <laughs> Mark, can uh, I mean, do you remember your first win? I mean, <laughs> where was it? Who'd you play?
2: Uh, I, uh, actually, the only reason I remember it is because somebody wrote about it the other day. I guess we played <laughs> at, at Fermi up in Enfield. Uh, yeah. And we won 5 0, I was told. So, um, yeah, it was a long
0: time ago. <laughs> um I mean did you ever envision that it would get to this that you'd be at 300 wins someday and and have the program that you guys have up at Glastonbury
2: No, uh when I, I had been working at ESPN for a long time and um you know I left to be, become a teacher and a coach and um I don't think I really had a, a vision of of how this was going to be 21 years later and um man I've just been grateful and, and blessed with the Relationships you build with the kids, and of course with all the all the guys you get to coach against and and coach with, it's just it's been crazy.
0: Yeah, one of the stories I did read was that you missed there was a first state championship game because you were still working at ESPN and you were off cover on something.
2: Yeah, so Coach Mailer, who coached in our program for thirty years, that would have been his thirtieth year, but he uh, he injured his neck and he wasn't going to be able to come back. So. Uh, I went to ESPN and I asked if I could, you know, serve as the head coach. And uh, back in the day, I was working on, you know, NHL or whatever it was back then. And they said, sure, um, we're going to send you to the World Figure Skating Championships in Paris, um, St. Petersburg, Russia, and Nagoya, Japan. But you're leaving November 16th, no matter what. So my dad was the girls coach at the time. So, I mean, it was like a dream come true. We both were going to the finals yeah. um, until we got home from that semifinal game and, I was leaving, unfortunately.
0: Mark, <laughs> How many years were you, were you coaching still at ESPN before you became, went back and became a teacher?
2: Uh, I was an assistant for Ken for about six years. And then uh, it was great because Ken came back for his 30th year the following year. So in 2000, he came back for his 30th year. And, um, man, it was just great to be around him and, and learn from him all those years.
1: Mark, I'm curious. because What were those days like at ESPN? you, you last year at ESPN was what year?
2: Uh, well, I still was freelance for a little bit when I went back to school. So my last big year, I guess would probably be, uh, I worked in 1998 world cup in France and France beat Brazil, um, which was amazing. Uh, and then it probably would have been, so that was 99, probably that 99 year would have been my last or, or close to it. And then I, I freelanced for a couple of years after. We'll just talk about those years. I'm just curious for the fans out there, just again, having
1: that media background and going and doing what you did. and. The big show was the big thing at the time, if I remember, with Dan Patrick and Keith Oldman. And this, what has transpired over the 40 years of that company and, and watching it now from afar and knowing the inner works of that building when you were there?
2: Yeah, I, you know, I started out at the Harbor Current. I worked in the sports department, um, taking box scores and stuff for the the legendary and one of the most impressive guys ever, Bo Kalensky. Yes. Know? Um, we miss him. We miss yeah, him. No it. doubt. No doubt. And uh, he got me. Wrapped into high school sports, you know, and then um, it just came up that I that I got an interview at ESPN, so it was kind of like substitute teacher or work at ESPN. So travel to work at ESPN. A, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it wasn't traveling the world first either. You know, I worked in the videotape library. I put stickers on tapes from nine to five, and then I'd work at the Harvard Current like six to ten or something. But you know, at that age, you know, once you know after a year went by, I became a production assistant, and then became an associate producer, and then like you said, got to travel to some amazing places and. Worked in 95, 96, 97 Stanley Cup Finals. And, you know, as a sports guy, I just, there wasn't anything better. You know, it was awesome.
1: When you see what ESPN has become now, do you think about those days? Do you think about all those days? I mean, I'm sure it's a different animal than it was when you were there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, you know, I still have connections with with some guys that are still there and some other guys that have gone to some other networks. So, you know, you always kind of sit back and wonder, you know, what, what life may have been like. I look at Rob Stone on, on Fox now, you know, he's a host for the show. You know, he and I played uh, played some soccer in Paris on like a clay court together years ago and still keep in touch. Uh, there's no doubt I, I would think about, um, you know, maybe where I'd be right now. But to be honest with you, I couldn't be happier with the way things turned out. And it was a tough decision at the time. But, you know, man, it, it's worked out great for me. And, and I, I'm glad that I, that I made the choice.
0: When you took over the Glastonbury program, uh, was it the same way that it is now? Was the youth program as in place as it was? And was it flowing as, as freely there?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I played there. And, and back then, um, you know, we had won a championship, I think, 59, 69. And then they won in 89, which is, of course, the after the year I graduated, right? And it broke a <laughs> 29-year streak. My good friend Eric Barbieri scored the game, winning goal, and put a championship uh, for, the, for the town which had been 29 years in the way. So we'd always been successful. I mean, there's been so many great teams that have gone through there. I remember, I think when I played, we lost like three regular season games in three years. And then, you know, we lost every single one of our tournament games uh, to Xavier on penalty kicks my senior year, which it seems like it was yesterday. But um, yeah, I mean, it's still the same. The players are still the same and the program's still the same. I'm only the fourth head coach in the history of the school. So, um, you know, life doesn't change too much within our program. And, Players come in, players go out, and hopefully we just make them better people before they leave.
0: Yeah, I mean, you talked about that game in Xavier. That stays with you. I mean, we were just talking about how Holy Cross lost in overtime last year to Old Saybrook, and they're not going to be able to get back and kind of get on that revenge thing this year. I mean, how much do those games stick with players? Like, when, when you take oh. a loss like that, I mean, <laughs>
2: Well, you know, when you go and beat Staples 5 nothing in a preseason scrimmage and then you lose to them in the second round of the tournament, it digs up some bad <laughs> memories. Um, we were 15 and 1 that year, my senior year, and we had beaten Xavier 6 nothing in the second game of the season. I think I'm not positive, but I know Todd Pollard and Jeff ba- I think Jeff Bagwell was on that team or he was on the team the year before. Yeah, he was. And a uh, man, player. we outshot them 32 to 4. We couldn't score. Yeah, he he played soccer. We We couldn't score that day. I mean, we gave up a goal in the first eight minutes and we hit the post, the crossbar, everything, and we couldn't finish. And then, um, you know, you get a game like this against Staples where we blow a two-goal lead and it's like, yeah, you dig up those days where you, hopefully you buried them, but now they're, you know, right back.
0: (laughs) And, And that's soccer, though, too. I mean, you can outplay a team. You can do everything right and and lose a game if their strategy is to sit back and pack it in against you. I mean, how does that speak to the success you guys have been able to have? Because soccer can be very random like that, where you dominate and and lose.
2: Yeah, you know, and and being tied in with the girls program at school, you know, they've been amazing. And they had that crazy winning streak of like 70 games where they scored a goal in every single game. And, you know, you look back at some of the tournaments we had up until last year, I, I don't know, we hadn't given up a goal in the tournament in like two years, which is, which is crazy, even think of because because of those games that we talk about, right? Because of those yeah. twenty-nine versus four upsets or, or the fifteen versus two, you know, what I mean, it happens all the time. So, to be able to go through it and and come out the other end is just amazing. Because you know, Double L, I'm not sure many people realize, you know, five games in nine or ten days in the Double L tournament or twelve days is, you know, it's as competitive as it gets. So, um, it's 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 hard to get through, but it, you know, the journey is it's just been great. If you if you build yourself for it, you can get through it and. You know, the ball's got to bounce your way. I remember somebody uh, had asked about, you know, we cleared a couple balls off a goal line. And they're like, well, you got lucky. And I'm like, I'm not sure it's luck. It's more about being prepared. I mean, we kind of practice those things, too, because you see how those games can turn on a moment like that.
1: Mark, you mentioned the girls' program. I think I was looking really quickly. It looked like a, a combined 10-state championships in the past decade, for five apiece. I mean, to have that kind of success, one, what is that like? And two, you guys feed off of one another when you both are in the finals or competing for the finals? Is there such a thing or is that something that's media driven?
2: No, it's definitely not media driven. I mean, I remember a few years ago, we were, we were practicing together the day before the finals. And I'll never forget this, uh, Mara Constantino, who was captain all American went on to play four years at Colgate. She comes walking into practice and, you know, she just got that look on her face and it's, you know, I'm like, gee, Mara, you know, what's the matter? And, She's like, uh, it's not right. It's not right around here. We're not done. We're not finished yet. There's there's too much relaxation. We need to go out. And we need to have a practice. Like we're we're not finished. And she had already won, you know, two state championships. And you know, bottom line was she was right. She changed the whole atmosphere of both programs on that day. And we both went out and put in together solid practice sessions, kind of got refocused on uh what we need to go out and finish. So, you know, there's players on both programs that have demonstrated leadership like that, have you know, gone down to the younger ages and then you know, they just take on that. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of similarities between the two for sure.
0: When you talk about being like clear balls off the line and do all that stuff and it's not a mistake and giving up zero goals multiple years in the tournament, not a mistake. I mean, you've had some good strikers there too, but was focusing on defense one of the keys for you guys, like look, if we don't give up goals, we, we can't lose.
2: Yeah, right. I mean, you know, there's no doubt you gotta have that certain defensive mentality. Everybody, you know, says bring the lunch pail the work mentality, but you know, the game has also evolved so much over time that you can also play defense by keeping the ball so much too, you know. Um, so that that I think has been the biggest change in the last eight, eight, nine years with with moving to turf and a lot more technical part of a game and things like that. And, you know, if you're up one nothing, it's not necessarily packing in, defending as much as it can be to possessing the ball and keeping the ball and, and avoid situations uh, to foul, you know, just outside your back, uh, box, to give up a corner kick, to do those things. So there's, there's a lot of things that would need to happen, along with, you know, being prepared to play a 5-4-1 or a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-3, whatever you might need. So, you know, going through the year, I don't think we're ever consistent in terms of um, the formation we play or what we're doing. We're trying to see what works uh, and hopefully be prepared for November and playing the best that we can and then see if we can navigate a road.
0: And that must help you when, when you're on tape, too. I mean, teams are watching you, but it's like we don't know they're going to come back out in this formation every week,
2: right? yeah you know uh the addition of the huddle program that we have now we just for the first time we have huddle assist uh, this year which has been phenomenal because it tracks how many passes you complete and um wow. man the other day against eo smith we we attempted five hundred and seventy three passes so um you talk about defending heck we were defending because we had the ball so much you know um and our efficiency rates have been pretty good it's what's killing us now is is we cross thirty four crosses get ten or twelve corners and you know we're just not finishing right now so um that's that's been difficult for us but again it shows you what you can work on and, and how you can learn i love this that you guys are taking
0: analytics into this and really analyzing that I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the next step for high school soccer is the other sports
2: you're doing it right yeah you know i'm just trying to figure out you know point out the good points along with the ones that you need to work on i'm always the ones that we need to work on you know so i gotta be careful how i deliver the information
0: yeah and then how do you tie that in with just regular training and what you guys normally do? I mean, are you talking to the kids about that stuff, about those numbers? Yeah.
2: Yeah. We've, we've gone over it. We've gone over the numbers and uh, you know, we've been playing a lot of small ball and we've been keeping the ball a lot. We've been playing a lot of one, two, touch the feet. And uh, you know, there's no doubt we're talking about how many passes we're getting, but at the same point we're not finishing, you know, and, and the proof is in the video and the proof is in the on the stats. So we've been working a lot on, on our runs in the box and, and trying to finish, you know, and and it's a, it's a work, work in progress. Mark Landers, glass and great boys soccer coach joining us, just coming off his 300th
1: victory. Um, Did you ever think at any point during this whole summer, Mark, what we've been dealing with, what we're still dealing with in the pandemic that we may not get to this point and how proud of you, you guys have been able to maintain what they've been able to do in the cohorts and and so forth to get to this point and in the middle of what we're dealing with.
2: I never thought for a moment I'd be on here with you guys. To be honest with you, like I didn't think we we'd be this far. There wasn't just in my mind. As much as you know, I'll be honest here with you guys and and out in the open. But you know, there were a lot of days going in there. Like, man, are we even going to be here tomorrow? Are we even get started? Or you know, we're in these groups of ten. Like, how is this going to work? And you know, the way we did it is we had to follow the school protocol. And half the alphabet came for an hour, and the other half of that alphabet came for an hour. And and then you put the guys into into groups of ten. So. I tried to balance out the groups as the best I could, with putting varsity players in every single one of those groups. Returning varsity guys, so that if we did lose after five days or six days, at least maybe we can instill some culture and and some things in the in the younger guys and and show them what it's like to be a, a varsity soccer player at GHS, no matter the amount of time. So I think that really worked out in our favor in terms of being able to get through that. But there's no doubt it was difficult. I mean, we had 10 returning varsity players in the beginning part of the alphabet, and then maybe only had like four in the second half of the alphabet. So it was challenging for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, there were definitely days, didn't think we'd be here right now.
0: I would assume that, I mean, we've talked about this a little before, but that those returning players had to assume even more of a leadership role if you're putting them into cohorts with kids who didn't have varsity experience, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, you, you, you had your senior guys and, you know, and those guys have been great. I mean, it's, it's a difficult road right now. You know, we just had a senior meeting today. Like, You know, we're navigating a road where we want to get guys minutes. We want to get guys playing time. We're playing everybody right now. In the last two games, we've played all 29 kids. I've scripted out a a formula where everybody gets an opportunity. Everybody gets a chance to play. So, you know, that's not going to make everybody happy. And um, right now, it's it's what's best for the development of our team and our program. And that might be at the expense of some senior minutes and some senior things. So we're relying heavily on those seniors to help teach and, and foster and bring these guys along. And sometimes that's not easy either.
0: So that's different from years past. I mean, because because the goals are different this year, right?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think we're still waiting on a on a possible regional tournament and things like that. Um, you know, and and not knowing, right? Not knowing if you're playing tomorrow. You know, you've seen some teams that have been quarantined for a couple of weeks. You know, that's the thing for us. It's kind of like, how do we get these guys opportunities? Not every, it's not an equal opportunity. I'm not saying that, you know, but it is a scripted opportunity that you know from. The 30th minute of the second half to the 20th minute of the second half. These guys are going to be on the field at that time, and and that's what we've been doing. And we'll probably continue that process for hopefully a little bit longer until we can develop some more camaraderie and chemistry, and then and then move into something else. You know, but that's what we need right now, as far as I'm concerned. We're we're not a family or a team yet, um, but this is the way. This is the path we're going to take to get there.
0: What have they told you about a possible? CCC tournament or or a postseason opportunity for
2: you? Uh, I, only that there was going to be some meetings this week, and I, I've also heard that some other schools are doing some things and things like that. You know, I think it would be great to, you know, maybe take something out of your pod. Maybe if you could win your pod in in two games or something like that, maybe take the top four and the and the other four and put them in a in a small sectional tournament together and play those two games. And if you can win that, then maybe you can get, you know, one more region of four out of that. You know, that would be exciting. I know Zeke at Hall was talking about that. That. You know that would be exciting. I just don't know, you know, how that's going to work, or it's out of our hands at that point.
0: Yeah, because they Mark, really split—they split, they, oh, they split you guys up. Sorry, Joe. It's okay. Yeah, because they split you guys up. I mean, you're you're not with Hall, you're not with Farmington. I mean, it, that's very strange for you guys not to play those teams, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think years ago we were with East Arford and South Windsor and East Catholic. I'm trying—I I forget the years, but uh, there was a time where we were in that league with Manchester. Uh, the teams that we're playing now, we were together years ago. So. For me, it's not new. Definitely for the kids, it's, it's new. Um, and I think, you know, pretty much that league is kind of, I think, intact, the one that we're playing in now. It's kind of like we're the guests of the party, right? Everybody wants to have us around. Um, it's a little different, definitely, than playing against the, the, the guys that you normally play against and things like that. So um, it's been a, a different road, road to navigate. But uh, it's something new, something different, and something uh, to embrace the opportunity. Mark, you mentioned the, the, we're talking about the, the postseason
1: tournament. Um, you guys don't have a league term. You haven't had one in a long time or.
2: or... Yeah, we had it. For, we tried to do it for the first four years. And then, uh, it just, it just wasn't working out. The, the conference is so big, you know, with the 32 teams. And it became an issue of, you know, if you did it with eight or you did it with 16 or you did it, you know, in the CCC, you're going to get 22, 23 teams in the state tournament. So then you're asking teams to take off, you know, eight to 10 days. Of no nothing at all before they even go play another game, and you know we were involved in heavily. We never won it. Um, we lost twice in the final, I think. One year we lost to Ram in the first round in the quarterfinals, which, to be honest, was it was like the best thing that could have happened to us at that moment in time. And we hit the reset button, and then we went out and won the Class Double L tournament. So to me, it was beneficial for the kids because I think it promoted the game a lot. I, I think it got people generally interested in the game, and and that's pretty much what it was all about. And you know, winning it. I don't know was if it was a primary goal versus you know getting guys some opportunities to play in some from family more and play against some teams in the CCC that you never get to play against and things like that. So I did love it, but um, at the same way, just too many teams were left out
1: for this year. Whatever it is, if it's the same teams in their same regions, regions of eight, correct? You're in the same region. Of eight.
2: Yeah, I think there's eight, uh, yeah something like that. If it's the same team then
1: you don't play outside of your pod, Is it good for this year only? To bring this back and play for something, even though it's the same teams you've seen, to have something in November. Yeah. Oh, uh, you mean this year to for have something?
2: Yeah. Yeah. For
1: yeah. this for this tournament for this region, just for
2: this year, to have something in place rather than not sure what it would be. Absolutely. You know, I, I think it'd be fantastic for fans alike if we could get some, or if we can get to live stream or something like that. I mean, it it's been so difficult with the policies of of letting in people to come watch you know and that's where I feel the most for the kids I mean it's great that they're playing soccer don't get me wrong but I mean how cool is it to play in front of your classmates you know and they they haven't been able to do that um so I think anything at the end uh regardless of where the vote goes in terms of how that's going to work uh will be important um for for all the teams involved you know it, it adds some excitement it adds some momentum you know I, I've always been the fact too like you know you, you work so hard during the regular season to kind of prove yourselves over the course of a, a 14 16 game season to prove who the best team is over the course of time tournaments don't work that way we know that you know you could go 18 and zero, and then you lose that one time in the tournament and it's not you're not the best anymore it doesn't mean that you're not the best anymore it's just you weren't that great on that day you know so I think I think it'd be a great opportunity for everybody did you say go ahead no, fans, no fan policy or just parents
1: or at class home games or what is it
2: yeah i right now right now it's uh it's in the in our our games it's a home parents are allowed into the games uh no visiting parents, so you know I wonder with the phases that we're going through if that'll change at all i'm not I'm not sure if there's gonna be a change to that, but you know even if we could get it um a live feed or or, or something where we where we could do that you know just where people could watch and people could see and 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 appreciate it and we're kind of all over the place with those i think in terms of facebook live you know and we need some we need some quality behind it too, you know and just to get people excited for, for the kids. You know, it's, it's been great so far, but there's more great opportunities to come.
0: Yeah, not all soccer teams draw crowds, but you guys do. I mean, pretty consistently, too. Has it been strange this year without that student section there?
2: Yeah, no doubt we're missing the 12th man. I mean, I was watching uh, the beginning of the Viking seahawks game last night, and they were talking about Seattle and how much they missed the 12th man, and we we have that same 12th man flag and, you know, how much we miss our fans, too. You know, they're a big part of our our game Coming coming to our place to come play us at home is, is exciting. You know, I I, I treat it as, you know, it's exciting for us, but it's also exciting for other teams to come in and and be able to play in in front of a crowd. And then we usually draw a lot from uh, the schools we're playing against too. So, you know, those Farmington Hall, Simsbury, uh, Weathersfield, all all those games where we would draw, you know, large numbers or tomorrow we're playing East Arford, you know, if that was a regular home game, that place would be packed and jump in. So yeah, we miss them. We miss them dearly.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was always one of my favorite parts of going to Glastonbury when you guys would play Farmington or something. Even on the road, those games were packed with students. Like, it was so fun to go up there and see soccer in front of a huge crowd like that.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it all starts, you know, like, you go to the finals, you get there an hour and a half before game time, you get off the bus and there's literally, you know, 100 kids lined up like it's a college football game, like you're coming out of the tunnel, you know what I mean? Just to, to have that experience of walking in front of so many people that are there 90 minutes before game time for, for the kickoff or of a final, You know, that's definitely helped develop the culture behind the 12th man and and get more people there. But, you know, they show up for the regular season games, too. So um, that part's been really, really cool and significant for us. You guys have always done a good job of kind of working towards
0: your goal of, of, of winning in the States. And you start that with game one and you sort of build your family like you've talked about. Without that goal of the States this year, how has that process changed for the coaching staff?
2: Yeah, I mean, right now you're, you're balancing how much do you uh, go with what you have and how much is about the future as well. And I think that's a hard balance right now. And the, and the balance that we have chosen is to, to make a scripted lineup right now for the time being, just, just for where we are. You know, it might last two more games, maybe three. I, I didn't really write down when it's going to stop. It'll stop when I see that we're supporting each other and that we're becoming closer together. And it, does, it doesn't mean that it stops. It just means that we all believe in each other to be able to go do the job. So then that's probably when it, when it changes. Um, but I don't think it's anything different than what we've done in the past. I mean, what's the difference if you're winning three nothing and some guys goes in for the final 20 minutes versus if they go in now for their shifts? And the difference is they're playing under pressure right now. They're playing under you know you might have two freshmen go on the field who may be playing a five-nothing game, but are now getting their 10 minutes in a zero-0 zero game. To me, it's, it's, it's going to impact them significantly for the future um, and show their teammates what they're capable of doing. And that's that's what we're, that's what we're looking for.
0: And they get to play against the other team's top players too, right? I
2: mean, instead of playing against their subs in a, you know, in a four-nothing game, right? Yeah, th- there's no doubt. You know, for, for me, it's about developing a good family, like you said, and a pack of brothers that believes in each other. And and for now, right now during the pandemic, what better way to do that than give guys opportunities that might not necessarily have those opportunities um, elsewhere? So. You know that's the path that we've chosen. Um, at the end of the day, if we lose two or three nothing, then we know what our mistakes are. We know where we need to get better. If we're able to get a tie or get a win, you know it depends how we're playing. But you know if we can go out and do that and attempt 480, 478, 500 passes in the game, to me it's not about the personnel. You know it's not about the it's not about the people who are not on the field. It's it's everybody is doing their job and they're doing it well. So right now it's me. It's working.
0: And in years past, you always wanted that home quarterfinal game. I mean, that was the biggest game probably of the year to win that home quarterfinal state game. So that probably gives you a little more flexibility, right? You're not you're not trying to like look at the stat, at the standings every day and say, listen, we can't lose because Staples only has one hey, loss or whatever. You know.
2: Don't get me wrong. The young Mark Landers used to love going on a bus for a quarterfinal. <laughs> there was no bigger and greater challenge in the world, right? I mean. <laughs> it's easier to motivate your kids to go away and go play a corner for quarterfinal somebody else's backyard versus it is to get them fired up to play at home too, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember some of those big games on the road with like Nogatuck and, and, uh, and Trumbull and, and, and Ludlow and Newtown and, you know, just, man, those were some great experiences back then. But yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you, you want to play at home. You don't want to have to go on that bus, but at the same point too, uh, that adds to the chemistry and the culture and the family building as well. I mean, if you can get that quarterfinal to me in a state tournament, that's the game you got to get. You got to get the biggest that. Biggest game of the tournament. It's the biggest game. It is game. the biggest game in the tournament. There's no doubt about it. Because if you can get that one, you're 80 minutes away from a final, you know, and the motivation is, e- is easy. But it's that quarterfinal game that that is always two teams that are playing well because they're there at that right time. And, you know, you're going to have to go on the road to play at home. Yeah, I mean, you've had some absolute battles
0: in the quarters. I remember that game against Greenwich a couple of years ago. You guys had. I mean, that was an all-out war. Probably the best game of the tournament that I saw, that, anyway, that, that year.
2: Yeah, the the quarterfinals always lends itself to some some exciting things for sure. We've we've had some overtime battles in the past. Uh, that game, that Greenwich game, was a battle. Um, you know, and in I don't never lose sight of those those matchups. They're they're so key. It could be a third time around that you see somebody. Um, but yeah, the quarterfinals. Everybody, I think, kind of underestimates how big that game really is.
0: Uh, listen, Mark, we appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, we're glad that you're on here talking about soccer this year. We're we're also happy that you guys are actually playing. So, good luck the rest of the year, and uh, and we hope you see you in some kind of postseason form because that's where Glass is very Awesome,
2: long, awesome. You guys are fantastic. Uh, having been there before a long time ago, working on high school sports. I really, really tell you how much I appreciate this for the kids. It's just fantastic what you guys do. Appreciate it so much. Thanks, Mark.
0: Thank you, Mark. Uh, we are back on Just for Kicks. We want to thank Glastonbury boys coach Mark Landers. Uh, congratulate him again on his 300th victory. Uh, that's not easy to do. It takes a lot of time. Um, and he's been on both sides of this. He's been, you know, where we are, working for papers and working for ESPN. And it gives him a good perspective, I think.
1: Well, you know, what do he play, 16 regular season games a year? To go to, you don't as he mentioned Scott he doesn't have a league tournament so you got to win five games in the states usually he, as I'm sure most times he's got a first round bye know, wins is not easy in oh, soccer
0: very hard. And I mean it's not fantasy. easy anything
1: but soccer I think is even harder because yeah. how many times you dominate a game and, and lose but they I mean, as we talked about they, both programs have had such success uh, at Glastonbury in soccer and uh,
0: again it's not, it's not like he's and, doing it in a weak conference he's doing it in, in the best boys soccer conference in the state. You know, like you say,
1: like Zach Hall, and, Hall,
0: Farmington, uh, Farmington, Avon.
1: Yeah, those. It's very good.
0: And
1: it, again, it's a different year, but you know he's still he's still winning games. They're still very good, and teams still want to beat them. Even the teams in their own region, if even though they're not facing Hall, and some of the teams they normally face, it's still it's a feather in your cap if you even are competitive with Glastonbury. For some of those schools win, I still think the feather in the cap for a hall or
0: some of those programs. The same Absolutely. There, no one's on that level yet. I mean, you know, hall won the state championship last year, but that's right. one championship. To get to where Glastonbury is, is, is so, so hard and takes years and years to develop the program. Yeah. And also you talk about those fans, those fans are clearly yeah. the best fans. I mean, you've seen them on state championships. I, I have, I've never actually parking been... lot waiting for the bus. Yeah. Like they line up in the parking lot. It's so cool for soccer
1: i covered a couple of i've covered wrestling at Glastonbury. i've covered over the years i've covered boys basketball in the state tournament quarterfinals a couple of years ago uh, i've not
0: covered a soccer game there is it a different kind of experience versus the fcac F- F- uh, scott there is every time i've been there now i do go up for the fronting game or the hall game or something like that sure. the bleachers are full of students i mean hundreds of students and they you've seen them at new britain where they fill the stadium there for the states but they legitimately pack it. It's as big as any football crowd that you'll see in the FCAC. I mean, legitimately full crowd. When they play Farmington, Farmington fans come too. It's the best atmosphere in high school soccer, in my opinion. Well, that's saying something. There's a lot of great programs too. There's a lot of great programs, but just having that many fans care about soccer and come out for it consistently, I think just – it makes the atmosphere better. You know, I mean, we, we cover a lot of soccer, whether there's just parents there maybe a couple kids watching in a normal year. Uh, in a normal year, they, they are absolutely packing the bleachers for that soccer stadium. It's so fun. i always loved going to Glastonbury to cover soccer. Well, it's funny, you
1: know, we've sat here and we talked about and these attendance policies and obviously no fans and, and two parents. We really haven't talked much other than this about student bodies because right. you figure it's not a lot of student bodies who go to soccer games, they go to football, but there are student bodies who support programs and are. Ha- having that affects teams and it affects absolutely. programs and we're, that's missing too. I mean, maybe they're watching outside. I mean, I don't know
0: what the stadium situation is at Glastonbury. Can you watch outside the stadium? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could stand outside and and watch through a fence. I don't know what Glassbury is allowing. I mean, Glastonbury is not even full time school right now. Like you know, well, they said two fans. They said two fans for every like right. The, the parents can go in, but as far as the students, I mean, they don't even have all their students in the school right. every day. They 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 go every other day. Right. Um, they're not full time, so I don't know what they do with allowing kids on the campus. I guess kids could sit, you know, could, could stand outside the fence and see part of the game. Uh, you, know, you can see the field from from outside, but I think it was having them all packed in there and cheering and chanting and all the f- silly things that kids do when they're, you know, a, in a student section. Um, yeah, there's a few others around the state. that were always pretty good, but that was o- always clearly, clearly the best one right. that I saw. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Let's talk about girls soccer because this is a girls and boys soccer podcast oh yeah we haven't really talked much about the
1: girls have we <laughs> let's talk about oh, girls well, yeah. I, I the one game i covered last week Noraim and west uh, excuse me Noraim and barlow yeah. uh, up, up your way scott uh swc Noraim went to 4-0 they won one to nothing um working on a feature on tony domingos uh tony domingos is a star four who's played every game since freshman year how many Notre times you, how field. many times you covered her joe well, we'll get into that in a second. Let me just get into the the, the, the stuff that people not care about. Not, she's got 92 goals. Yeah. Well, the, the, I think the school record is 100. Obviously, that's a number everybody wants. 100 base hits, 100 goals, 100 points. Will Chamberlain, you know, that kind of – for those who don't know who Will Chamberlain is, on this podcast, this, we want go all. Google him. So, I'm not going to get into Will Chamberlain. Uh, NBA season Google. ended last night. But anyway, um, <laughs> she's going to the University of Maryland. She's the best player in the SWC. I've had the good fortune of covering her three games, and she has scored zero goals in my presence.
0: She must see you come strutting up there and be like, get
1: lost, dude. Uh, Well, that's Wayne (laughs) Moan has been around 43 years. So he's been coaching almost as many years as we've been alive at collegiate level, high school level, premier level. At some point, he's just going to say, "I don't want to see you anymore." And but they at least they won that game. The other two games was a scoreless tie and a loss in the Class M state finals uh, semifinals to uh, Plainfield last year. So, but anyway, looked there'll be a feature on her very soon on um, game time CT. And obviously, one big game is obviously games are starting to become a little bit more important. You have the rematch of St. Joe's and Trumbull. If you remember, Trumbull won the season opener a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Maddie Freed went down hard in that game. Uh, don't know, didn't know the really the extent of the AG, but uh, she missed a couple of games last week. I St. Joe's has won them all, but uh, I'm sure St. Joe's will be revved up to play that game after losing the Trumbull and having their best player go out. Obviously, we don't we lost some of the rivalries as we discussed with Glastonbury boys and and certain teams not playing teams this year. But Trumbull and St. Joe's obviously is a rivalry, and you play your closest games at Gilbert Hand, so there will be some juice in that game. I'm actually hopefully going to get over there on Thursday.
0: I would think those games even get more ramped up when you're playing a team two or three times in a year that you got to keep going out and seeing the same kids, and you know, if there, especially if there's physical play like there was in the first game. I would think the next time you go back out there, it, it goes even a little harder next time. Well, it's funny because I mean, go, uh, right.
1: And that, but there's, some, there's a storyline to this now, which is what makes it interesting. Now, Guilford and Han boys played. I mean, Han boys were off a week, and they didn't play, and, and they played Guilford, and they won 6-1 to one the next time. So it wasn't as good as the game I, I covered the first time. So, so it makes you think that there's some separation between Han and Guilford this year.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, they'll play one more time, and, I'm, I mean, there's no, no guarantee. With Branford in that division, in that region, there's no guarantee it's going to be Han and Guilford in the final of the sec division so but at least now with a postseason there knock on wood we get there there's something to play for at least we have something and i think these games have become a little bit more important as people try to get seedings because what's going to end up happening is you talk about the quarterfinal home game of the state tournament you're the one seed you get to play two games at home or three games at home assuming you don't play the final of your region in the site you can get three home games you're the two three you get two home games so I think that may become the rallying cry and try to, and again, what you hear from a lot of people, try to win as many games
0: as you can. Yeah. I think we're shifting from that mode of we're all happy to be here. Yeah. And now into, all right, let's win some games. So let's go out there and and be the best team in our pod or our region, or whatever you call it. And let's do something, you know, whatever the postseason looks like, let's be a part of that and let's win something. Yeah. I mean, it's, I,
1: I do think it's a, Listen, as sports writers, we, we I mean the, we have the forty percent rule, and we have no interest in a, a winless team. Maybe, but for those kids, for those coaches, for those short who have gotten to this point to have an experience, I think was a good move by the CIC. I really do. I, I think it's a great right. move. I mean, it if it's even if it's nine nothing, listen, I, I don't like those scores any more than you do because you'd like to not see certain scores. But I think it's good for those kids if they want to be in that, have that chance to be a part of something for this one season. I'm all for it.
0: Yeah. Uh, right now, it's just about getting kids on the field as many times as you can get them on the field. So, yes, let's put everyone in, the post- in some kind of postseason, let them get some extra games, and it'll sort itself out. Like, those teams aren't going to make runs, and they're not going to have some, like, 0-9 team competing for what they call the FCI championship or FCI championship. or something. So Right. It just won't happen. But let's get, let's get kids playing as much as possible. That's, that's the main theme of 2020 fall sports. I'm with you, Scott we made it another week week three we're here joe
1: well you know we'll have a week four for
0: we'll sure. have a week four we'll be we'll be back for week four yes hopefully we're still continuing to talk about games and, and everything that's happening in a, in a positive way and right. you know it, it's getting to that point where we're stopping you know we can stop writing the word covid in stories and stop writing about quarantine and just write about what's happening on the field all right, for Joe, I'm Scott. We'll see you next time on Just for Kick.